You're listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Monsters by Relia on AO3. Chapter 8. June 28, 2011. That's her, Naira whispered in her ear. I know, Amanda whispered back. I'm going. She'd been looking forward to this from the moment she first found out she'd been accepted by the NYPD. Not only did this job provide her the chance to run like hell from the unpleasantness and the unsweltering heat in Atlanta, it would also give her the opportunity to work alongside one of the most well-respected SVU detectives in the whole goddamn country. She'd been given the chance to learn, to grow, to make new connections, to build her career in a way she was never going to get to do in Atlanta, and she'd get to work with Benson. Everybody knew about Benson. And everybody knew about her fucking wolf. That's how Amanda and Naira recognized their new colleague. Amanda had never seen a picture of the woman, but she'd heard about him about the wolf who walked beside her, hulking and terrifying, every inch of him black, no spot of color to be found, about the wolf who let strangers touch him, who guarded victims so fiercely, who was a little holy and a lot scary. Demons that big, that ferocious, that fucking special, didn't turn up every day, and when they did, folks always liked to talk. Folks had talked a lot about that demon, but they hadn't prepared Amanda for the sight of the woman herself. Olivia Benson was tall and tan, with a body to kill for and a face to match. But there was no softness in her. She marched through the squad room like she owned the place, her steps steady and sure and powerful, her eyes dark and hard as the eyes of the demon who prowled along beside her. Even from a distance, there was a palpable sort of anger about her, and ordinarily, Amanda wouldn't have tried to waylay a senior detective who seemed so ready for a fight, but they were meant to work together, and everybody was so fucking busy. She knew she might not get another chance to speak to Benson today, and she wanted to, very much. Now or never, she told herself. Detective Benson, she called, chasing after the woman and her wolf. Benson spun back around, a flicker of annoyance darting across her face and that wolf of hers stepped in front of her protectively. But Amanda steeled herself and continued. Hi, she said, holding out her hand for a shake. Amanda Rollins. Benson still had her keys in her hand, was still leaning back like she couldn't wait to get moving again. But she spared a moment for Amanda, nodding at the sound of her name like she knew what it meant. Transfer from Dallas, right? She said. Her voice was smooth and low, but hardly reassuring. Yeah, well, Atlanta. Naira was draped loosely around her neck, the way he so often was. A thin, bright green scarf, and he raised his head, then butted himself against her chin, his lithe body tensing with displeasure. Benson's eyes had darted to him warily as he moved. Most people got angsty when they saw Amanda had a snake for a demon. Most people didn't trust snakes or the folks who walked beside them, but that, Amanda thought, was just because they didn't understand. Maybe Benson didn't want to talk to her, and maybe Benson didn't like the sight of her snake, 
but Amanda wasn't going to let that deter her now. Benson was in a hurry, like everyone else Amanda had met today, but Amanda was determined to make a connection here, determined to start something instead of always running away. You'd like to Stasio for this? she asked. Their current case had seen an Italian diplomat caught in the crosshairs, and everybody was on red alert, watching their asses and trying to stay out of the line of fire. It took balls to go after a guy like that, and rumor was Benson had the biggest balls around. Uh, he was there, Benson answered tersely. Clearly, she was tired of indulging Amanda. Honestly, she was borderline rude, looking back over her shoulder and refusing to engage, and Amanda's heart sank in her chest. She hadn't expected this, somehow. Shouldn't a good SVU cop, a great one, have better people skills? Maybe Mama was right and people are just meaner up north, she thought. Well, she said, trying to find the least humiliating way to wrap this little conversation up. I just, I just wanted to let you know I'm really happy to be here. And she was. Jesus, she was happy to be here. Mostly because here wasn't there. I, um, I've studied a lot of your cases. I used some of the stuff you did on the Brown case, the, the infant homicide. Everybody knew about that case. They'd started using it in the academy back in Atlanta, and word had spread like wildfire about Benson's cross-country rape kit testing crusade. After she'd hit L.A., all the urban police departments started getting antsy, worried about getting crucified in the press. Benson had done that. Benson and her wolf. Yeah, Benson said like she wasn't even listening. Yeah, I haven't briefed the captain yet, so... She gestured over her shoulder, keys clacking together merrily, at odds with the sinking feeling in Amanda's gut. Sure, Amanda said, waving her off, and Benson reached out, brushed her hand against Amanda's arm in a gesture that might have been warm if she hadn't spent the last thirty seconds trying like hell to get away from Amanda in the first place. Thank you, Benson said, and then she was turning away, marching towards the captain's office. Amanda expected the wolf to follow his mistress, but he didn't, at least not right away. He lingered for a moment instead, watching her, silent, unblinking, his breath so slow and so even it looked like he wasn't even breathing at all, those black eyes fixed on her, and a chill lanced down her spine as she looked back, wondering, wondering if it was always going to be like this, if Benson was as distant and unapproachable as she seemed if Benson's wolf was as fearsome as he looked, if she was ever going to fit in here, or if everybody would always be trying to shake her off. It's a bad day, the wolf rumbled at her suddenly, and Amanda's eyes widened, startled. She hadn't expected the beast to speak, and she certainly hadn't expected him to attempt to reassure her. Don't hold it against her. And then he turned and marched off to follow his woman, and left Amanda behind, wondering. She's kind of a bitch, isn't she? Naira said. Yeah, well, we're not exactly easy to get along with either, Amanda told him. The captain had assigned her a desk, and she went there now, plopped down on it, and stretched her legs out in front of her, sighing. You think we made a mistake? Naira asked. Amanda looked around at the squad room, the bustle of activities, the desk where Benson had thrown her jacket on her way to the captain's office, and the desk across from it. The one that belonged to Benson's mysterious partner. 
Detective Benson hadn't gotten famous all on her own. Every case she worked, another cop had been beside her. Stabler. Folks said Stabler had himself a wolf for a demon, too, and whispered about what it meant. But Amanda had never met the man, never seen his demon for herself. All she knew was that he wasn't there, and no one in the station house would speak his name. All his stuff was still on his desk, coffee mug, picture frame, little American flag mouse pad, just sitting there like it was waiting, like the man himself was going to come walking back through the door any second. When Scuttlebutt was, he'd been gone for weeks and wasn't coming back, ever. The wolf had said, it's a bad day. Maybe it had been a bad month for Benson, with her partner gone and not knowing when he'd come back, and maybe she'd get over it, eventually. No, she said. It wasn't a mistake, coming here. It couldn't be a mistake, because Amanda had sunk all her savings into this move, burned bridges in Atlanta, and pissed off her mama, and she couldn't go back now. This choice she'd made? It couldn't be undone. And so she decided right then and there that it was the right one. It had to be. Give me five minutes, she said to Finn, and then she was turning away, moving as fast as her feet would carry her, trying with all her might to hold herself together, just long enough to find a private place to fall apart. When she stumbled across the empty interrogation room, she darted into it gratefully and tucked herself into the corner, out of sight of the window, that ran along the front wall. Elliot put in his papers. Thirteen years, gone just like that. Thirteen years. After everything they'd been through together, every late-night stakeout alone in the squad car, every fight, every anxious night spent in a hospital, and every broken bone. After Gatano and Eli and Simon, after Oregon and Elliot's mother and Olivia's mother, after everything, the deepest, most profound relationship she'd had in her entire life was just over, done, finished. Without a word from him, without a chance to say goodbye, Elliot had done the one thing she'd never thought he'd do. The one thing her mother had said everybody eventually would. Elliot had left. For weeks, she'd been calling him, desperate to reach him and he'd refused to answer. A cluse kept pushing her to go to Queens, to show up in person, to demand an accounting from him. But she hadn't gone, and she knew now she never would. She hadn't gone because a part of her had been afraid of this, afraid he'd already made up his mind, afraid of how deeply it would wound her to look him in the eye the moment he shattered her. And now she knew that she was right, that he had chosen to live his life without her that he had nothing more to say to her, and she would not sacrifice her pride now. He'd taken just about everything else with him when he left. Pride was all she had left. A great, racking sob worked its way up the back of her throat, and she leaned against the wall and gave in to her tears. Let them come, now, when she was alone, with no one but a cluse to bear witness to her grief. Alone, in the dark, out of sight, she could be honest with herself and with him, could admit the truth. The truth was that she had loved Elliot, as she had never loved anyone else, that he had been her friend, her family, her other half, that he had given her hope and a place to belong, and the truth was she didn't know who she was anymore without him. 
Or maybe she did know. Maybe she was what she had always been, what she had always been afraid to be. Just a girl no one wanted. Ecluse leaned heavily against her legs, and she slid slowly down the wall until she was sitting on the floor. She wrapped her arms around his heavy neck and buried her face in his fur and wept, wept hard and miserable as she had not done since she was a child. He was soft and warm, and he smelled of home, and he comforted her somewhat. That was what he was meant to do, comfort her, and he was the only one who could, but he was part of her and all she had left to sustain herself now was her own soul, heavy in her arms. I don't want this to be the end, Ecluse rumbled at her, giving voice to the thoughts in her own head. I don't want to never see them again. Just the thought of it made Olivia feel like she couldn't breathe. Her chest heaved but did not expand. No air coming in, no air going out. It wasn't just Elliot they'd lost, it was Alina too. Her golden eyes, her soft silver fur, her warm, reassuring voice. The presence of another wolf, the reminder that Olivia and Ecluse weren't alone, weren't freaks, were instead part of a matched set. They were meant to go together, Elliot and Olivia, Ecluse and Alina. They were a force to be reckoned with, a united front, an unstoppable team. They were shattered. There was never going to be another man like Elliot, and there was never going to be another demon like Alina, she thought. There would never be another person who understood Olivia so well and cared for her anyway, and there would never be another demon Ecluse opened himself up to so easily. Olivia was certain of this. Olivia knew this and feared this deep in her heart. It was the loneliness that made it impossible for her to breathe. It was the knowledge that this loneliness would not end. Everything that once had been was no longer, and the future was bleak and dark and lonely. Maybe later she'd feel differently. Maybe later she'd change her mind. Maybe one day she'd find something that gave her hope again. In that moment, though, confronted with the totality of her loneliness, it was hard to think of hope. All she felt was grief. Ecluse threw back his head then and howled, Long and loud and devastating. The cry of a wolf who had lost his pack. The cry of a heart that had been rent in two. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.